Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the Shadow of the GM podcast, with me, your host, GM Shadow. Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to episode 7 of the Shadow of the GM podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about mid-maxing and looking at good things about it, bad things about it, why I sort of don't like it as a DM, um, and I guess bit of personal reasons why I don't like it really you know a general reason why you shouldn't like it it's more of my own feelings around things I don't like about min-maxing in some senses um I was hoping to get in there and be one of the first one to talk about this when it was going in the audio dungeon but Joe Richter got in there before me before we start however I want to go through some of the call-ins and make sure we catch up with the people that ring into my show so let's move in with the first one hey Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast here I too am a fan or I'm not a fan of classes and levels. I'm a fan of levelless and classless systems. Uh, my favorite example of that's Barbarians of Lemuria, where you have careers, you know, when you build your character. And, and the other thing I like about that is you don't have skills, because I'm not a fan of skills, because it's hard to have enough skills. Usually with skill systems, characters don't feel real, right? They either can't drive well or they can't... You, you can't do everything a regular human can do with skills, because you don't have enough points. Where with the careers-based system like Barbarians of Lemuria, you can do everything that, you know, they feel like real people. But but I think that works really well without classes and levels. So I, I would definitely point people towards that and that model. Um, so yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I'll play either game, but given a preference, I, I'm i not a big fan of classes and levels, especially away from the fantasy genre. If you want to have classes and levels in your fantasy game, that's fine. Like I say, Barbarians shows and you know, some of these other systems show that you can do it without that. But especially when you get away from that genre, when you move into modern games or investigative games or, you know, space games or, you know, different genres, it, classes and levels don't make a whole lot of sense in a lot of those genres. Um, so there's, there, you know, it, it just make your superheroes. There's, there's a, I mean, you might have classes, but like, you know, levels and superheroes. And I know a lot of superhero games have those in there, but you know, I think there's better ways to do it than the traditional OSR, you know, class and levels thing. And I think a big reason for that is the SRD and the, um, you, you know, the fact that they released the, you know, supposedly the gaming license that you have to use, which you don't have to use. But people feel that they're, other people are familiar with that and they have to use that. So that's why you see classes and levels. That was Jason there from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Um, yeah, going over one of my previous episodes where I was talking about levels and class-based systems in role-playing games. I'm generally agreeing, which is always nice to hear about some things I was saying. Yeah, I think you might hit the nail on the head, really, when you talked about the SRD, because I guess, in some ways, that has been the big issue around it. I mean, back in the day, when I used to play games, when D&D was D&D and other game systems were other game systems, it was all very much everyone made their own system and designed their own way of working it. But then... <clears throat> when the SRD came out on the back of 3rd edition, everyone started doing D20 system versions because the D20 system, OGL, came out. And like you said, that license came along. People felt the need to kind of copy it. And there was like D20 versions of Deadlands, D20 versions of Legend of the Five Rings, if I seem to remember. I think it was on the back of the Oriental Adventures supplement for D&D. Um, and they also did a D20 modern system. This is the one I remember the most, the modern and future systems for D20. And I did try running a few games with it now. I think I have the, the advantage, I guess, of having the experience of previous to that, having played things like Twilight 2000 and Aftermath and even some things like Rifts, um, where there was other systems that kind of tried to copy the modern day in varying degrees of realism level. But the main thing was none of those ones were really based around class 
and level-based systems necessarily. <clears throat> and I think that really broadened my horizon that when I played it, I didn't really like running that version of it. Um, and what tended to end up happening was that the players end up with all the systems we try playing. Sorry, not systems. Different adventures we try playing with the D20 Modern and Future system. We end up defaulting to like the Urban Arcana, which is essentially D and D with modern day weapons in the modern age. Um, and it seemed to be that that whole trope around the levels and classes really seemed to really resonate with the players' ideas about this is D and D, and therefore we're almost still playing D and D, but in the future because the way it was all made up. Now maybe that was my fault. Maybe it's just the makeup of my players, but it really seemed to be that it kind of fit into that. Now there is something to be said about it. there is that familiar thing because where it does have an advantage is that if people have played only D&D I quite my groups had only played it or only wanted to play it it was a good way to kind of show them different settings and different genres without them having to relearn a whole new system so I guess there's an advantage behind that but like I said it did kind of skew it because that wasn't necessarily how I'd play it so yeah interesting thoughts on that one and you know hate it love it or hate it the, the OGL did kind of open up quite a few different I guess game system some people would only want to learn the one system but to me it was kind of thing it did propagate this idea about levels and classes for other genres other things where I hadn't really seen it previously yo Barry it's Joe great great episode man that was I mean it was funny it was informative it was concise just really really great stuff I find that sort of uh, trivia and history just endlessly interesting man so keep up the great work dude and i look forward to more of your episodes peace out that was joe richter there from the hindsightless podcast and wheeler roll um yes <laughs> commenting there on my um conversations about why um third edition well second to third edition sort of history around it and you know my sort of like take on it in a very i guess flippant way um glad you liked it i didn't really know what the style so you try to find my old style on these podcasts and you know when i like to tell these stories i do like to go a little bit over the top i think with my little like rants about it but i wanted to kind of present the information and it wasn't so much in a dry boring this is like history lesson i had really boring history teachers when at school it was just very dry like kind of go like oh and harold godwinson in 1066 and i kind of don't want to do that with these things i want to try and get some facts out there but kind of bring them alive in a bit of a way that makes it more interesting and you know <clears throat> i think there'll be people out there who don't like that style and people who hopefully who do but at the end of the day i try to make it a bit more engaging through that um still falling out with joe however because he's the one that beat me first of all to talking about this min maxing situation we're going to talk about soon but you know i think me and joe seem to think on a very similar level because i think some of the stuff i'm going to say is probably going to match a bit what he said um <clears throat> And I think our experience of gaming is quite similar, certainly from the 3E Pathfinder respect. So um, we'll see how it goes. I think you'll disagree with me on a few things, but I think in some ways you'll probably agree, hopefully, with some of the things I'm saying. Uh, hopefully I'll keep this one. I know this one's going to be quite as entertaining. It's a bit of a blunder, unfortunately, this one. But, you know, I'm glad you liked it. And again, and it goes with feedback that I like to hear because I don't know if I'm just ranting it myself and people just think, well, who is this nutcase who's like recording these podcasts or whether you actually do find it interesting. So always good to hear. Right, so with that all done, let's move on now to the actual topic at hand, which is min-maxing. To get the first little chestnut out of the way, I am definitely going to say that min-maxing is not a new thing. I said I've been gaming for a while, I've been around since 2E, so maybe you could argue that 2E brought it in first, but I don't think so. Everyone, when I used to game with them, it used to talk about power gamers, about munchkins, about min-maxing. It's always existed from I can always tell since time immemorial. And it's always had a negative connotation, it's interesting to say, but I think we'll talk a little bit later, there's a bit more to it than that. But <clears throat> with any system, there's always a way to min-max your characters. 
there's always a way to reduce stats or swap stats around or use dump stats etc to optimize your character in some sort of way pick certain weapons specialization skills you know feats whatever you want to call it advantages disadvantages you know use your skill points in different ways as you're playing groups or whatever you can min max in any system in any way to kind of get a character that you want to do a specific thing and I think to say that this is a new thing, it's only come in like with 3rd edition or 2nd edition or 5th edition or whatever, it is rubbish at the end of the day. It has always existed. Now, whether future systems have given you more options to do this in the way they are is something you could definitely debate, and I might debate that a little bit in a minute. But the fact is, you definitely can't say it didn't happen in the OSR, that you couldn't do it back in the day with the old school games. You definitely could. Everyone has dump stats. Everyone knows Charisma's a dump stat. Um, even says it in the Rick and Morty one for 1st edition still, that Charisma's your dump stat. Um, so, you know, these things still exist. People do still say it. It has existed since time immemorial. Like I said, I'm sure that all the people you used to play with get accused of being munchkins all the time. Because it wasn't just always about the stats. It's also about the magical items and who tries to grab them and they try to make their character the best and they really kind of make them niche. And I had people say, I'm deliberately going for min-maxing character and you know some ways maybe that's fair enough um, but what I want to say first of all is I don't think this is a new problem I don't think you can really blame necessarily the game system however I'll add a caveat later on I'm going to talk a little bit about maybe some systems do in the way they have been marketed lend themselves a little bit to manipulation around those so before I talk about my actual feelings on min-maxing, let me just say as well that I do think there's some issue around, well not an issue, my experience was that when players options came out for 2e there was definitely a real push by some players to use that to optimise the characters and go very very niche optimization. let's say. So taking disadvantages, quite not horrendous disadvantages but quite significant disadvantages to help character points to get extra things to make the characters more powerful, more specific in certain ways. So it's very much a min-maxing thing and I think as I said in my 2e to 3e thing some of the stuff got brought forward in some ways because the advantages in some ways came along as feats in 3rd edition. And so in third edition, you have the feat system. Um, you don't have so much the drawbacks necessarily, but you know you have the feat system. And then what happened in all those systems is the number of splat books and uh, splat books upon splat books that came out. And the fact is that you don't have to use splat books, let's just say that. But there is the thing that when you get so many splat books and lots of third-party stuff that came out as well, and then <clears throat> in some ways, I think the advent of the internet had a major effect on min-maxing. I've seen in some characters because lots of people out there who are quite skilled at reading through the supplements and picking optimal builds could tell you how to construct the optimal character and how to get all these feats that line up to do very specific things etc and to me there was a real kind of opening there if you go back to the older systems where it's a lot more vague should we say and it's very much like you just have some stats and you roll under and it's very basic and there's less kind of rules there's certainly less manipulation of the rules as written system trying to look at exploits and loopholes etc around it so i think you can look at it two ways so although as i said before min maxing wasn't new the newer systems where they bring out lots of splat books and lots of additions extra sub races and um, it does make a difference i mean one of the things <clears throat> when i went back to looking at the osr it was because when i started, started playing some third edition again i found there's quite a there was definitely a market in the players who wanted to play 3E to be that way predisposed that they wanted to really do the full optimization of things and it became a bit of an obsession around optimizing characters in a tactical way rather than wanting to play the game necessarily and enjoy the game and enjoy the story. Now again this is tailored very much by a personal experience it could just be the people I came across and the ones I spoke to and there's bad people out there who weren't like that and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute to be fair. <clears throat> 
but there was definitely that occurring at the time um, and that kind of put me off a little bit um, and also like I said the fact that they were like really optimizing the builds based on things they read and these really kind of meta I guess analysis of the characters and how to build them and I kind of don't like meta I don't mind them you know optimization and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more anyway I have my next rant um, in a minute but that's kind of my perception so I think when the new systems come out the way they market them try to get the splat books to try and get people to buy them to get the feats to make better characters and better weapons and things that is kind of encouraging it a little bit around that kind of min-maxing side about people doing it and again not saying that's a bad thing at the moment just saying that's I think where the difference lies whereas if you go to all the systems and you stick to core then that's something that you know you don't have as much of an issue with there isn't that propensity out there isn't things for people to say oh but what about this what about that um, and like when I started playing basic fantasy RPG when I brought that one back out it was because for example I didn't like people who pick a race just because a race gives them a certain bonus it's like I want them to play a race in a game because they enjoy that race or there's something about that race they want to bring into the role playing thing rather than saying oh but this gives me a plus two to intelligence that makes me a better wizard for example and uh, basic fantasy RPG they didn't have stat bonuses and I kind of like that bear in mind that's in 2E and I do like 2E so 2E has the stat bonuses so it's not I go necessarily at later editions um, it's just something that I picked up on that I thought well that's actually quite nice because you won't pick a race then necessarily based on stat things you might pick it on things like do I get dark vision etc but you might not pick it based on that what I want to move on to now I guess is to say that this is kind of my main issue with min-maxing is that I don't see it as a bad thing necessarily because I don't have an issue with optimizing your characters or indeed picking things and min-maxing in a way to go up with a character concept. To me, it's about the character concept. Now, this is a personal thing. Everyone's got the different styles, different player groups, and it's sometimes difficult if there's people in the group who have different ways of playing. Um, but to me, this is a difference. And to get an example, it's kind of a one's a two-way example, one's a three-way example. And this isn't about the system, it's more about the player. So I had someone who played in a two-way game. And he wanted to play a priest of peace, effectively a pacifist. Well, not a complete pacifist, but about peace and about peaceful resolution and things. And he, so he played it with like a low strength, etc. All the rest of it, high wisdom, and all the rest kind of really min-maxed it. Picked spells that didn't harm, ones that really used to pacify people. And he played it really well, he even played it to the point where they had to take prisoners and he would actually heal, you know, creatures that he felt could be redeemed and they'd be taken away. And the idea was about persuading them to give up their fighting ways and stuff. And I really loved it. I liked the idea of the character. And although he wasn't the best cleric, say, in that situation, because there's lots of other ways you could play it and more optimum than cleric, I really liked it because he made it work. He made it fit in with the campaign that we were playing. He was still a fairly effective character, but he had a concept and he stuck to it and it kind of rang true through his character. Um, when he played in 3E, he played a half-orc thief who was wanted to become an assassin and he was quite good at optimising that one to fight. But again, he really kind of stuck to his guns about what the concept of that character was and he picked things based on what made sense to him about what the character should and could be able to do. And he did read stuff on the internet and he got ideas about how you could do things like creative ways to use spells to kind of end combat without harming people and stuff. And so to that sense, he was kind of like mid-maxing. There was a real amount of character optimization going in. But I like it and it fitted in, it fitted in with the ethos of the character and so it fitted in with the role playing as well as optimising it to be effective. Now the, the, the third edition example I have I can't even remember the weird character classes on it. It's partly my own fault and you know Joe will tell me off of this but you know you can very much restrict what you let players do and don't do and at the time the concept seemed fine I kind of understood it because it was a character and I forget the weird class that it was but it had like an aura of peace around it which meant people had to make a willpower saving through in order to do combat actions etc and the whole thing is the person was meant to be about peace and you know calming and all the rest of it but it was kind of the way it was being used that kind of bugged me a little bit. 
it was the idea that it was very much very tactical about oh where does this aura of peace go to and can we get the players outside the aura of peace and get the creatures in and moving backwards and forwards and jiggling about to move people in and out to give them saving throws and it was very very meta and it was very much about let's see how we can use the rules of written to really exploit this character's ability to deliver things rather than being about I want to go in and cause peace and like calm these creatures down and be peaceful to them it was more about how can we use this as an advantage so we can beat them all to death and I guess to me that kind of went against the grain of you meant to be like this peaceful person who's bringing peace and kind of like you know helping calm it down to peaceful resolution and more about using it as a bit of a, a fudge in the middle of combat to kind of get what you want and that to me I guess is the side of min-maxing that I don't like and why I sometimes feel like if I had a system where this min-maxing didn't exist and there wasn't all these options and these little ways to try and tweak it it'd be better because you'd have to kind of think a bit more creatively about how you roleplay the character rather than try and just look for the feats and stuff that match up to give you the thing you want to do to get the combat exploit now I think it says more about me as the kind of games I want to play and I try and be a bit more honest about people these days now about you know that's not what I'm looking for in a game if I'm running a game I don't want necessarily I don't mind you having a concept and wanting to design your character around the concept and what's the best things to pick to match that concept but I have a real issue about you know forgetting the role play of the game and what's the most exploitative connection of things to make the best results I can see I kind of don't like that kind of thinking in my players I guess I am guilty of it myself sometimes I do a little think a little bit meta because I know the systems unfortunately it's hard I think to pull myself away from it and so I do sympathize with it a little bit and I think if I had a group full of that I might do that but I think I find it quite unrewarding as a GM to run those games because I don't feel the story's kind of developing the characters aren't developing it's all about build up characters and you know I think I used to think I liked it but I think as I've got a bit older I realize I don't really like that quite so much I'd rather have a bunch of crappy characters in the party who are enjoying playing the game and developing the characters more than having this optimized superhero level people who can do lots of damage etc but that's not for everyone and so I'm definitely not saying it's a bad thing but I think it's definitely our thing and that's what I think we need to be more honest with our players about what kind of game we want to run and what we want them to be able to do so it's no disappointment I think with Roll20 for example and open up to the online community it's easier to find people who play the kind of games you want to play when it was all face to face with just friends and stuff you had to kind of really manage those personalities around the table and let the people kind of do the things they wanted to be effective but try not to peeve off the other players in the process um, I did have a player who used to really love being tactical and optimising, but then he used to lecture everybody else on how they made the characters wrong, and I didn't like that. And I used to say to him, don't lecture them. They've not done it the way you would do it, but that doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. They're playing the way they want to play. And so I tried to let him play the way he wanted to play without them impinging on them, which was quite a difficult balancing act sometimes. Um, but it's easier, I think, if you have them all together. So, for example, when I played the 3E game, I kind of expected it. When I was playing it online, I thought, do you know what? These players do want to play that way. Let's go with it. But I kind of found it very non-rewarding, which is kind of what stopped me running that game after a while. Because um, my 3E experience previously had been the people who played it. They did like looking at the different character classes and getting things, but they did have nice character concepts and a lot of role play behind it, and I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, so I guess that's it for my kind of rant. So again, it's not this bad. It's not this good. That's my kind of personal feeling about min-maxing. And there is, I feel, more... I guess scope to do it in some of the later editions of D&D and some of the games because of the availability of material that you can pull from to do things but as a DM GM it is kind of your job to manage that and decide about the game you want to play and how much you're going to let people get away with and kind of I guess having maybe those difficult conversations with players about mm, yeah but you know if you want to have that you should be able to do this and it's up to you I guess how strict you are and you know the players need to decide is that the game they want to play and then if that's how you're going to be. So that's it for me today this time. Um, just a really kind of short one, I guess, to get the min-maxing thing out there. It's easier, I think, sometimes rant about it on the podcast and it's to chat about it in the audio dungeon. Again, any contradictory thoughts, any agreement, any kind of challenge, I'm more than welcome for it. I like the conversation, I like the challenge, I like to kind of discuss it and get other people's thoughts. 
Um, so hit me up either leave me a message on here give me a call in for the voice call or you can email me at gmshadow at hotmail.com or you can find me on twitter at gmshadow so until next time have fun and keep on gaming Thank you.